With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Slow Tide. Towels, blankets, ponchos. SlowTide.co is their website. Our promo code is just one word, lowercase, surf podcast. And with it, you save 20%. They are known for having the best changing poncho in the business. Well, now they make a waterproof version. So same warmth, same dual access kangaroo pocket, same button snaps and drawstring collar, but with a nylon outer shell to slick wetness away. It is completely waterproof. Their other big innovation are the quick dry towels. I've talked about this in the past. Um, Rather than being a thick, plush towel, they are thin and lightweight. They are perfect for travel because they actually pack down very tiny, but they absorb four times their weight in water. They are fast drying. They are also somehow sand free. They collect zero sand. They're also 100% recycled. Actually, all of Slow Tide's polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, primarily plastic bottles. And these are just two of their items in addition to a deep catalog of blankets and towels, both for the home and the beach. But the waterproof changing ponchos make a great gift for Christmas for any surfer. And the quick dry towels actually pack down neatly enough to fit into a stocking as a stuffer. So slowtide.co, promo code SURFPODCAST, all one word, save 20% off your order. Slowtide.co, promo code SURFPODCAST. Enjoy. Today's show is brought to you by RealWaterSports.com. They are our retail surfboard partner, and they've recently landed a brand new inventory of 30 Pat Rossin surfboards, all built in Hawaii. This recent drop of Rossins is just part of their 1,500 surfboard inventory. What's better is that they've cracked the code on shipping. So they are based in North Carolina, but no matter where you are in the world, you can purchase from Real Water Sports and you have a guarantee that the board will show up blemish free and they're able to do it all for one low shipping rate. And here's what's even better. 
they are doing $100 off any surfboard purchase on Cyber Surfboard Monday. So Cyber Monday, you know, is the Monday after Thanksgiving. If you can wait to make your purchase until then, I can't guarantee that those Rossins will still be available and in stock. But if you can wait until Cyber Monday, you can benefit from $100 off any surfboard purchase. This applies towards obviously their stock boards that you can find on their website, realwatersports.com or customs as well. So they do collaborations with Chris Christensen, Rawson, Ricky Carroll, Maurice Cole, a bunch of other shapers. And if you wanna order a custom board from any of them through Real Water Sports, you'll still benefit from that $100 discount. So go peruse, fantasize, purchase realwatersports.com. Thanks. Israel Paskowitz is the fourth-born son of Doc and Juliet Paskowitz. Deemed the first family of surfing by the New York Times, the Paskowitz family became famous well beyond the surf world for their patriarch's extreme commitment to an ideology and a lifestyle associated with it. Before having nine children with wife Juliet, Dorian Doc Paskowitz was a Stanford MD and a successful practicing physician in Hawaii before shirking it all in the pursuit of more authentic health and wellness. Disillusioned by the excessive and gluttonous direction American culture was headed and the medical community's increasing desire to prescribe medication for whatever ails you, Dorian ditched it all and he spent a year in Israel to reassess his values and reconnect with his Jewish heritage. When he returned to the US, he was dedicated to surfing full-time and advocated for natural diets, which included no refined sugar, low fat, and also a rigorous sex life, as well as abandoning the pursuit of personal wealth. As a result of that rigorous sex life, Doc and Juliet produced nine children, and they spent roughly 25 years traveling the world in a 24-foot camper. The kids were raised without formal education, both in tight quarters, but also in the wide open world. And this has all been really well documented in various surf and non-surf publications and a critically acclaimed documentary called Surfwise, which you can find um, on Amazon Prime or many other streaming platforms, depending on where you are in the world. A number of the Paskowitz children went on to have thriving surf careers. Today's guest, Israel, earned a World Longboard Championship in 1988. But perhaps the family's greatest legacy is the Paskowitz Surf Camp, founded in 1972, based in Southern California, and now at 49 years old, it's the longest running surf camp in the United States. These camps have allowed Doc and his family to spread his original message of wellness and aloha to countless people over nearly five decades. Today's guest, Israel, extends this mission through a nonprofit organization called Surfers Healing, which is dedicated to autism therapy through ocean exposure and surfing. Surfers Healing is now 25 years old, and it was founded by Israel and his wife, Danielle, in response to seeing the miraculous healing effects of the ocean on their own autistic son and a couple of his friends. So that is the impetus for today's conversation. 
And this weekend, in fact, November 20th and 21st, Surfers Healing is actually celebrating their 10th annual Surfing Santa event at Salt Creek Beach, followed by their 13th annual surfboard auction, which we will discuss uh, in detail some of those surfboards in this conversation. But the point is you, our listeners, the general public, anybody can attend and even participate in the contest itself. Uh, just go to surfingsantacontest.org for all of those details. And again, it's November 20th and 21st in Laguna Niguel or Dana Point at the Ritz-Carlton and then Salt Creek Beach. So Izzy will explain it all here. Without further ado, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Israel Paskowitz. Israel Paskowitz, welcome mm-hmm. to the podcast. Is it Izzy or Israel? What are we doing? Uh, you know, I, I um, it started off as Israel, and as a young child, I think I was a little embarrassed, being such a you know, Jewy name, and uh, kind of not fitting the description. You know, I'm more of a little brown boy, um, but now I think I'm a little bit more. I'd like to, I'd like to be called Israel, but it's too late. I'm I'm stuck with Izzy. And I like that too. It's like a little old Jewish man's name. So again, it just kind of doesn't fit, but it does. You're growing into Izzy. Eventually, 15, 20 more years, you can start to really uh, work the old man angle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I put the the words right in my own mouth. Are you kidding me? I'm spotting with peeing and and yeah, I'm turning into that little old man. What the hell am I talking about? I am. I, yeah, I have three grandkids. Yeah, I I'm couldn't there. believe that, dude. When I was checking you out on Instagram, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. You can't be old enough to have grandkids. Yeah, you? you know the uh, a funny grand um, grandchild uh, grandpa story. Uh, I was so excited. I just found out my daughter was um, going to have a baby, and I'm down to San Onofre, and I'm with Sonny Garcia, and I go, Sonny, I'm going to be a grandpa, dude. I beat you, man. I'm 49. He goes, oh, bro, I was 10 years younger than you when I had a, my no first grandchild. Way. He was 39? <laughs> Holy cow. Very close to it, something around that. Yeah, and so and I, I got such a chuckle. I still think about that all the time. Amazing. Yeah, I thought I was like, you know, bro, this is how we do it in the hood. Yeah, no kidding. So how many grandkids do you have? Three. Okay. Three. Cool. Yeah, blessed with uh, uh, Bronson is my eldest. It's uh, a great name, by the way. He's nine. I know, I love it. Like, tattooed around my chest. Do you, right? His father did that. And then um, uh, uh, Josephine, uh, kind of named after my favorite auntie, Josefina, um, and my mom's ancestry from Zacatecas, Mexico. And then there's a little teeny girl now, a uh, new one, uh, Ozzy. Um, and she's uh, three months. What's her full name? Ozzy? Ozzy. Is it short for Ozzie, something? Yep. Yeah, no, Ozzy. Um, so new, I got. I haven't even remembered her name. Ozzy Pasquitz Allen. Oh no, Ozzy after my mom who just passed away. Ozzy Julieta Pasquitz Allen. Got it. But Ozzy is the actual name on the mm-hmm. birth certificate. Ozzy Z Y. Okay, so I'm I hated new, it at first. I love it now. So I'm a new father. Yes, sir. Literally uh, three week old. I have firstborn. He's three weeks old. Uh, yesterday. God bless. 
and we call him Ozzy. Nice. Yeah, his name's Austin, uh-huh. but we call him Ozzy for short. Nice. So, all right. Well, uh, Ozzy, you'll have to meet Ozzy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to cover lots of stuff here, but I think we have to start with kind of your family, of course, your mm-hmm. your dad, and um, I'd imagine most people's kind of introduction to you and your family now is the film Surfwise, mm-hmm. the documentary. Is that true? I think so. Is it? I think so. I think, um, you know, it was, uh, it's definitely who we are as Pasco, which is when most people think about us, they think about all of us. Um, and and I, yeah, I, I love that. I love that, you know, we were the, the, the originals, you know. I always kind of joke around, even in my mom's, and um, my mom's, uh, uh, um, obituary uh, the LA Times called me and we were discussing how uh, a new movie out was um, uh, not, not, not Caravan or um, won an Academy Award uh, um, I'll get it in a second um, Nomad Nomad Land oh yeah and just recently yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. Nomad Land you know and kind of you know sh- sharing uh, the reality of you know not like my you know, new sprinter, my Mercedes no, sprinter. Not you glorified know, at all. It wasn't glorified at all. You know that uh, our our buddies at Rally just gave us in uh, New York, um, but it's kind of more like Pascowitz, You know, and I I made a a a note that that we were like that times a hundred. You know, shitting in a bucket. Uh, you know, try 11 people shitting in a bucket. In a 24 footer. In a camper that slept six. Uh, that's a lot of shit. Yeah. And, but the experiences, uh, I don't know. They, they were so amazing. so unique. So one of a kind, but they will never be replicated, you know, and living kind well, of the van could, life, you it know. It couldn't be because your parents would be in prosecuted jail? for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We kind of were a little bit on the lamb. You know, we'd, we'd come into town and we'd stop at a place and we'd get this interview in the paper the next day. You know, wow, look at these, you know, this family uh, all running around. No one's in school and from wherever we were, you know, in, in uh, the Outer Banks. And and uh, uh, Cape Hatteras paper printed a shot of all of us and camper. And then, you know, eventually we'd kind of squirrel away and, yeah. and uh, get out. I never were busted, but... You know, nobody has too much of an education, but just that whole lifestyle and getting up and surfing a spot and going to another one and meeting new people and and uh, and and being poor, being really dirt dirt poor, you know, surviving on tortillas and and uh, you know a chicken that we shared eleven ways with a lot of beans and mm-hmm. uh, was kind of just a norm for us, you know. So. Uh, I got a lot to ask you about that, actually. Um, There's a story in that film, I think, where a family, an auntie or somebody says that your dad actually inherited Mm 40,000 bucks. First of all, your dad was a doctor, so he could have earned a living. And um, if he had wanted to, it wasn't that he was destitute. He had the option of earning a living. But beyond that, there was a story about him inheriting $40,000 and declining it. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching it. I'm pretty pragmatic. I'm thinking, hey, go on the road and live on the road, but keep that 40K in the bank so that you can buy fuel when you need it or buy an extra chicken when you need it. Mm-hmm. 
with the benefit of hindsight and being a father and a grandfather yourself now, do you wish he had done it differently or why didn't he do it differently? Why didn't he have a nest egg to draw off of had he needed it? What are your thoughts? No, no, no. It never, if for, for you and I, for sure we would have, you know, we would have squirreled it away somewhere and we would be able to uh, have accessed that money, you know, down the road. But for him, he lived and died on his own terms. So there never was an option. It was always, there's no way. You know, it, it's, it's like giving um, Superman kryptonite. Hey, you want this? Uh, no, nope, I don't think so. That'll kill me. You know, and that's kind of, it's dramatic. Got it. And that's the way he was. He was very dramatic. And, and that to him would have represented, um, you know, uh, living too high on the hog, you know, gaining weight, being unhealthy. Um, you know, perhaps someone getting sick because they were, you know, ate too much or, or, or gained weight and, and uh, couldn't do the things that we did, you know, as a young, scrappy, fierce little pack of wolves. Um, so, yeah, it would never was an option. Do you view that as a shortcoming of his, that he couldn't integrate those two things, or was it actually no. his strength? No, no, that's him. That was him. That's his strength. It was all or nothing, and he was all in. You couldn't bribe him. You couldn't do any of that stuff. He had no love for money. And uh, unfortunately, it uh, it uh, kind of fell into place with a lot of his children. You know, some of some of us really want and strive and, um, you know, work at making money. Uh, and some, or I should say maybe most of us don't. We're happy... Um, as is, mm -hmm. and the, uh, and and I know money doesn't make us happy, and so I never really. Now I've got a very very beautiful, smart, you know, wife that uh, keeps it together. But without her support, I am sure I'd still be in some type of a car. Yeah, yeah. You know, some type of a dwelling that has four wheels. Um, are you happy with the way that film turned out? Uh, yeah, yeah. I liked I liked Surfwise. Um, you know, in perfect Pasquitz fashion, I uh, I was in Cabo the day of the um, the premiere. I hadn't seen it yet, um, and I'd been surfing Nine Palms, and I got back to the airport. I was late and poured a bottle of water over my head and got naked in the parking lot and got dressed uh, w with my outfit that I was going to wear that night and went straight from the uh, from LAX. Um, to the arc light and got to witness something that that made me kick back and and reflect on what a unique life I had that's that, that's gonna you know come once every 600 years oh yeah it's a Haley comet yeah it's Haley's comet and um, I, I felt very unique and you know I don't know I, I think I always felt very unique uh, but seeing that in front of me and uh and people that saw it, you know, for how raw and real it was, um, was was appreciative because everyone has, uh, you know, it wasn't a surf movie, first of all. Um, it was a family saga. Uh, families that deal with issues and good and bad, and we all have those, yeah. and we all fight and we do, well, you know, dumb A lot shit. of people aren't willing to share it, though. And that's the other thing is, like, um, I can't ima imagine another group of nine or ten people who all agree to pull back the curtain in that way 
right. and let it ha- and give access to filmmakers. Right. You know, and first of all, there's part of the story is that your family was contentious, you know? Right. And so sure. the fact that you are all contentious, but you all agreed to let these filmmakers in pull back the curtain and show some of the ugly, uglier sides of it is pretty remarkable. Yeah. But I think that's just the way we grew up. You know, every Friday it was, it's the Shabbat. And as a bunch of half breed, you know, Mexican Jews, we get out of the camper, we start singing the Shema in Hebrew and doing our Sabbath prayers. And that's just a, a typical, you know, Friday for us. And that was, you know, kind of being unfiltered and, and being who we were. And so we never, never needed to kind of throw away a, a um, you know, a cloak over who we were. And we were very raw and very honest. And, and that was the way we, we grew up, you know, <laughs> for being I mean, and you know, pooping in public and, and uh, living on the streets, and we we're kind of like that. So I don't, I, I don't think uh, you know. I knew that we were doing something that might have, you know, shared or benefited or helped anyone else. Um, but I, I really enjoyed um, just reflecting um, on on what a unique you know life I had, and 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 it was it was. I don't know if it was over, but um, well, it certainly wasn't over because you know my life. I guess getting to the next segment of my life was unique and different. Yeah. And it wasn't, um, you know, perfect. Right. Um, the documentary kind of talks about when each of the siblings left the family mm-hmm. fold, left the camper, so to speak. Um, when did you decide to leave? And when what, Abraham what, got kicked out. When what? Abraham got kicked out. Okay. So what was that story and what path did you pursue? Uh, I pursued the path of the uh, the uh, Magnolia uh, uh, and the PCH back uh, to San Clemente because he kicked out Abraham for doing something. And then my dad got mad at him, and the focus on his hair was, I think he was trying to cut his hair with a spoon or something. And uh, it's it's hard to run away from somebody when you're in that camper and uh, and you're driving. Um so he was very mad at Abraham and said, you're out. And Abraham jumped out. And I thought to myself, in that split second, uh, that's my best friend going out the door in Huntington Beach. Uh, I think I'll go with him. You know, n- no second thought, which certainly I didn't have a bunch of stuff, you know, yeah. to, to, uh, to pack up. How, old, how old were you? 15. Okay. I know. And I worry about my son Eli at 25 just moving out. So, uh, yeah, but things were different back then, were, um, yeah. and and I really, you know, I had a I had a great time. I had a great time as a fifteen year old on his own with uh, no you know no parenting, um, you know, and things just fell into place. You know, I I didn't have much of an education, so I certainly wasn't going to get you know a, a a job at an ad agency, you know, doing copy or or uh, at a magazine doing. <laughs> doing uh, any kind of design work or, you know, I didn't know what six times six was. Mm. Um, but I, I fell in with a group of surfers and, um, and I got a job right away and, and uh, had that job for 15 minutes. <laughs> what job was it? Uh, Carl's Jr. When oh, Carl no Carter opened up his first Carl's Jr. down uh, in San, South San Clemente, when parks to go to Trestles, I was in there for about 15 minutes in my Carl's Jr. outfit and, uh, I forget who came in, but I was like, oh, wow. You know, I'm 
15 years old. This isn't very cool. I'm going to get the hell out of here. So as soon as I saw one of my friends, I escaped out of the back. Okay. And uh, I think I still owe Carl's Jr. $4.95 for the uh, the outstanding balance for the outfit in lieu of payment. Oh, my gosh. They were charging you for the outfit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hilarious. So, so that, yeah, so that... Uh, that came away. And then I found um, a job with a friend of the family working on boats. And I did that for almost 20 years. Okay. Just polishing boats and, and uh, all that um, maintenance, you know, um, in Newport Beach. So okay. I got up really early, took the bus. Um, we lived in Jonestown, which was a little enclave of, uh, I think uh, Mike sold drugs and... Uh, and uh, um, Rick Elroy did the drugs. <laughs> and me and Jonathan lived in a Visqueen uh, patio. And I got up early and I took a bus from here to Dana Point. And Dana Point, I walked to John Mead's house. And then we went into Newport Beach. I did that for almost uh, almost 20 years, 18 years. Were you surfing throughout all of it? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. At first, no. At first, I just out of the camper, I'd been surfing every day. Been, yeah. you know, NSSA and, and WSA you know, competition with my dad, you know, uh, team colors and everything that Nancy Caton made our special shorts. And I um, uh, forget the gentleman, John, that owned sea suits, made uh, red, white, and blue suits for us. Uh, so I had nothing. I'd, I had no money and no surfboards or anything. So I just worked and ate and, and enjoyed um, stuffing myself with what I missed. Yep. Growing up, no sugar, you know, we ate super healthy. Um, so I sat in this room when I wasn't working, uh, watching, you know, Skinny Max and watching HBO and Showtime and all those amazing movies, all the TV that I missed as a child and eating such shitty food uh, with Jonathan every day. You know, McDonald's, all the stuff my dad wouldn't let us have. It did it'd smack us if we, you know, yeah. ate some of that shitty food. But I, I enjoyed that for, for a while. And then after, after a while, I was just like, whoa, I, you know, this is my only real talent. And I, I did get back into it and I got some sponsors. And since I was right at Trestles and rode for uh, uh, South shore for a while. Um, and, uh, um, uh, Jim Fuller would make my shortboards and, uh, I kind of I kind of did a little bit of a shortboard you know career, um, and th- and that was great. I really enjoyed you know uh, competing with you know the best uh, back in the really early '80s. Back to the camper. One thing that I kind of figure out is how did you guys have surfboards? If if your parents were so short mm-hmm. on money, mm-hmm. did you just share one surfboard or? Uh, you know, I, I got mine. It was a hand me down from Jack Reinhold. Uh, it was a Jerry Lopez. Diamond tail, um, but my first surfboard. I, I I should mention the first surfboard, because um, well, my dad was a doctor. If we if he'd he'd work for a little bit, make a ton of money, oh, okay. and so everyone's like bar mitzvah present was a new board. Got it. So that was you know I never forget my father in law glassed it, you know, and uh, and you know when I look back now, it's cathartic seeing. So that, who- that first board was Danny Bronner. And he would even sign Jerry Lopez's name. No and so way. Mickey Munoz made me a stinger, massive swallowtail, all white with a, with a powder blue, you know, Star of David color 
uh, lightning bolt. And I had that for about a month. Uh, and it got stolen <laughs> at Campland. Uh, and that was probably 1970. Oh, wow. So you guys each had your own surfboards that yeah, you were lugging around yeah, in that yeah. camper. And so, and we put them on the roof. Got I, it. My dad kind of built out this massive. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. I, I, mean, I, think, I remember. I mean, images can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the greatest, you know, Jewish carpenter. So it was so heavy and it was so cumbersome. And it, it, eventually, we hit an overpass in New York, and all the surfboards got uh, torn off in the rack. Um, <laughs> and that was another story. Crazy. There's too many stories to <laughs> too actually many. track, you know? Yeah, yeah. And those, I mean, and those bad ones are just, they're bad, but they're just etched in your memories. Yeah. Like, good God, you can imagine the sound of, you know, the, the roof being torn off and just the, the, I mean, everything just scattered and all these very, you know, kind, you know, New York drivers and stuff and taxi cabbies and, you know, stopping their cars and, asking if we needed help and you want a sandwich? Fuck no. <laughs> they were screaming at us and yelling. And I, I swear to God, I think I saw, heard a gunshot. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was horrifying. Yeah, that's amazing. <sighs> um, so, uh, talking, so out of the camper now, you're kind of out living on your own. That's why I asked if you were, actually surfing much because obviously there's the problem when a parent forces their children to do something mm -hmm. with such rigor, the kid rebels and does the opposite once mm -hmm. they're left to their own devices. And so I could see that you guys, but then I also think like surfing is different. Sure. That happens with football or soccer or whatever else, but I wonder if surfing is different and that even if you're forced to do it from a young age, there is real beauty in it. And it's always kind of with you, you know? Was that the case for you? I mean, was surfing always a part or was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, but also I was smart enough to know I can't like hang up my surfing career at, you know, 16. Um, so, you know, it goes to transition from, you know, an amateur uh, w with my dad kind of, you know, laying out uh, exercise, you know, programs and, you know, a diet um, that we were eating and, you know, pre warm ups. And I mean, it was, pr it was pretty intense. Um, you know, starving, you know, during competition day, not, you know, water, but no food wanted us to be really, really uh, hungry. And, and we had that kind of real finite, I think, balance and focus. Mm. We were really hungry. Uh, but it, I mean, it's, it's like it breathing air too. You know, it, it, it uh, you know sustains us, and it kind of feels really good, you know, yeah. taking the, take a breath, and it feels you know that good surfing, and you know back then I was you know riding, uh, I think I finally got a McElroy twin fin, and to, you know to do like a backside you know three sixty, and and that felt good too. That felt like breathing. Yeah. So I really enjoyed you know and always had enjoyed uh, uh, surfing. Uh, and that, that for that for that moment, you know, until I turned into a longboarder, um, you know, I I loved every moment of it. One thing that I had a hard time jiving um, was you guys being really into competition as a young kid. Mm. It seems to fly almost in the face of your dad's general ethos. Is that true or not? Is my do I have a misconception there? No, where no. I feel like his kind of like free spirited 
thing is very different than like, hey, put on a jersey and go out there and beat the other people at this thing. Right, right. I think, I th- yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, that's very valid um, of a thought. You know, he was this, this um, you know, surf guru, this bohemian and uh, lived on the road. And uh, we did a, a lot of bartering, you know. Um, but it had to do with health. It had to do with health, and I think it being being a physician and being more more than a physician, I think he was a nutritionalist, and he wanted us to he wanted he, everybody to to live their best life and be as healthy as possible because you know when you're healthy, just life is so much better. So I think if it was, you know, uh, uh, playing um, cornhole, you know, you could do that with a pretty damn good belly. Um, <laughs> It, it wouldn't have meant the same. It wouldn't have had that that push to make us do it. But surfing was so healthy, and and but I I did uh, you, but I didn't personally like the competition between the brothers. You know, I didn't mind competing against people, but I didn't like competing against us because we were the only thing we had, and it almost seemed like since I don't know we got uh, we were so like mean or we were so native that. You know, another brother's failure, well, you'd kind of enjoy it, right? And I didn't, I, I didn't like that. I think about that, and I, it doesn't, that doesn't sit right. It seems to be just common amongst siblings. Period. Mm. Whether you grew up in a camper or not, you know, like siblings are their sibling rivalry yeah. is a thing. It's probably intensified if you live in a camper. Yeah, and yeah, with, <laughs> everything's with, intensified. Yeah, eight boys. It, it was, it was, and and. Uh, and that, that part was tough. It's tougher, and I think it was tougher on me because I was the best. The best surfer. I obviously was the best surfer. Yeah. Obviously. You know that, too. Of course. You've got a world <laughs> championship to prove it, right? Uh, it wasn't official, but I've got a silver cup with only my and Nat Young's name on it. And that was 1988. Yeah. and It's uh, a big deal. And, and I, I, you know what, but just for, for me now, you know, being 58 and and being around, you know, um, you know, professionals and people that have been in the, this business making surfboards and, and uh, you know, making clothing and stuff, just to have been a contender. I'm so grateful and I'm so, you know, I guess I'm proud of myself to have been a contender. Yeah. To have been part of, you know, this very special family that, that uh, you know, a lot of people that aren't in it would give their right arm totally. to have been there and, and have done that. Totally. Does it bother you that, um, when people talk to you, it's always kind of through the lens of your father. They ask you about your father. They ask you about all, like I started out asking that way rather than about you. And no, no, I, I think that, that that's fine because it's so, um, you know, it's, it's so legendary, his, his history. You know, he's, you've got to give that respect. You've got to give that respect to of you know somebody surfing back in the 30s and somebody that a world war ii veteran and somebody that brought um surfboards to an entire country he was a father of surfing in israel uh it, it's so it's so unique and uh, and, and i do uh, respect and love him for that and um yeah no i don't i don't mind that at all even with all with uh, his accolades of of uh you know being a stanford uh, uh, medic, you know, uh, graduating from Stanford Medicine, and and his contemporaries being 
billionaires, not millionaires, now that are billionaires. But you know what? I don't think anyone, you don't know anybody in this class, in the class of whatever it was. I can't remember. Forgive me. It certainly was, must have been in the late 40s. But you know, they weren't men that uh, will be remembered. You know, my father will. And he didn't make a fucking penny. He died, and uh, the, the, the greatest thing that he owned was the motor in that shitty camper, that 63 cab over <coughs> Chevy camper, was a, a Corvette, you know, oh, was it really? 500 horsepower, uh, a, a big block motor that he got from squirreled away, a cockroach, he used to say, from Martin Scalzo. Crazy. <laughs> so it was like a $10,000 motor. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's still there. Unbelievable. Um, not only is he better known than his contemporary MDs, it could be argued he did more for people's general health and wellness than those billionaire MDs. Mm. Yeah, and and his own irreverent way, um, and it was pretty much like, you know, Doc Holliday, who's pretty much shooting from the hip, you know, and it got him into trouble. But it was trouble. common sense. You it know, was it, common it trouble. It was like avoid avoid um, prescription medication and instead Correct. eat well and take care of your, you know, get physical activity in the sunlight and put good things in your body. Correct. Correct. So it's shooting from the hip, but it's very common. It's but common I, 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 I mean more rather like shooting from the hip, um, you know, talking to to a, a Graydon Carter who um, who initially who was. Uh, the producer on his movie and and poked him in the belly and said you're fat oh gotcha right in front of people <laughs> embarrassing him which he, that's fine he d- does that to me all the time yeah yeah you know um, ah see my son he is a fat pig he used to be 170 pounds you know at his fighting weight look at him now and I really that doesn't work that really doesn't work you know um, it's like it doesn't anything. hurt to it doesn't work to get people to change get people to change gotcha. correct gotcha, but gotcha, but. Gotcha. In his heart, he really wants that person to be better. And I, I, I get it. I understand. You know, I've gone up and down, you know, and in, my, in my lifetime of almost, almost um, you know, uh, six centuries of, of overindulging and getting fat and then, and then losing weight and feeling great and then getting fat again, drinking too much fucking beer and then I can't surf, you know, and I'm still on my nine footer and I should be on a 10 or 11 footer, but I think I'm, I'm too young for that. I'll, I'll wait and be that Sano, you know, drop in on the, on the shoulder uh, when I'm older. Um, so I've made, uh, I've made a huge effort uh, and a lot of us have, and a lot of Americans have. Um, when you lose weight, you just feel so much better. When you put good things in your body, you feel so much better. And then you, you forget. I am and then you I, forget and do it again, you know. My friend, I will never forget. Good. From this from this pandemic forward, you know, I've dropped 30 pounds oh, and really? I feel like a new man in the water and that's my 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 benefit, my payoff is that I can be out in the water and I haven't haven't had a been graced with a compliment, you know, on my surfing for the last 10 years. And, you know, somebody said, "Oh, you're that, that was great. Was that board an 8-footer, you know, and it's a 9-footer, but you know, I'm back to the, back to a weight that where I, I can I can rip again, and at 58, I feel so good. good. And I'm not a I'm not a typical longboarder. I'm the 80s longboarder. I'm not a logger. It's kind of it's it's surfing. I'm on a nine foot shortboard. You know, when I take off, I think I'm Kelly Slater, and I know I'm not. But I want to go fast, and I want to cut back. I want to roundhouse and 
and hit the whitewater like Martin Potter, you know, and and uh, it's been a while since I've done that. What What about the pandemic? Uh, you said you lost weight during the pandemic or since the pandemic. What about yeah. the pandemic inspired? Uh, I, well, I quit drinking. <laughs> Like officially, officially, like officially. not a not a drop. No, not a drop. You know, and I've I've gone to uh, AA meetings, and um, it it uh, you know it, it's very it's very new, and I've never even brought this up, but uh, you know I, I I I think I needed to. You know, I didn't want to lose my wife. I didn't want to lose my family. I didn't want to lose everything that uh, that I hold so dear, which is what my my dad had. You know. They had a beautiful family that stuck together, and um, and you grow old, and and you die with your children and your grandchildren, your great grandchildren at your bedside. So well, I think a lot of that it was was you know in my era of, of surfing, and uh, um, was the '80s, and we lost a lot of great people, and I it, it it didn't sit well, but I couldn't I couldn't stop I couldn't stop putting down, you know. The thirty packs, you know, every day, and what made you have the realization that you were at risk of losing those things? I think a lot of that was was uh, was the um, I just felt worthless as in the water as a surfer and as the front man for the for the charity, you know, yeah. and you know, I didn't, uh, I just didn't feel present. I wasn't able to help like like I could. I mean, last year I really didn't. I wasn't in the water riding with the boys, you know, um, just too heavy, too tired. You know, my back hurt. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, uh, this year was, was different. You know, we, uh, um, August and September, we did a lot of camps and I was in the water shoulder to shoulder with the boys the whole time. And it just, it felt great to be back to who I was. What, um, what methods, obviously you mentioned going to meetings, mm -hmm. AA meetings. What methods did you employ to help you kind of stay sober? Obviously it feels good to be back in the water, but then you got downtimes when you're mm -hmm. at home and you're maybe depressed or whatever and you want to grab a drink. What methods have been helpful for you? Uh, just the, just the, 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 the light I feel and quite literally the lightness. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Throwing away 50 years of surfing just would suck. And I, I've seen that with, you know, older longboarders that, oh, you still surf? Forget that. And you should get one of those toy haulers and, and go to uh, Glamath, man. Tell you what, man, you can ride yeah. all those dune buggies and stuff. You don't need to surf. Too hard, too cold. And uh, uh, I just, I didn't want to throw that away. So that kind of echoed in my head. And I, I'm taking care of a 30-year-old autistic man. So waking up hungover, I, I, you don't, I don't want to do anything. But, and, but my job is to get up and, and to bathe him and to wash his ass, make sure his crotch is clean and got powder on it, and make sure he's shaved and his teeth are brushed and you know all his salves and ointments and balms are on. And then I send him down and Danielle gets him dressed and... Uh, gets packs his lunch and get him out the door, and I, I, I need to take care of him. And I'm at the age where um, you know, either either going to slow down and stop, or you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fix some things and and you're gonna continue. And I'm I'm his guide for the rest of my life, mm. and 
I, I feel like I can, I can do it. You know, I feel um, when I wake up and I spring out of bed, you know, this is, this is part of, you know, my, my reason why I'm here is to, you know, to take care of him as long as I can. Today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Vans Triple Crown of Surfing, which returns to the North Shore this December and will run four weeks from December 21st, 2021 through January 21st, 2022. And it'll take place at the three historic venues that you're already well aware of. The Vans Hawaii Pro at Haleiwa, the Vans World Cup of Surfing at Sunset Beach, and the Vans Pipe Masters at the Bonsai Pipeline. And it'll award individual titles to both the men and the women, and then an overall Vans Triple Crown Series champion. And registration has actually just begun on November 15th, so visit VansTripleCrownOfSurfing.com, and then of course follow on Instagram at VansTripleCrownSurf to learn more. And then very importantly, Vans is actually partnering with Sustainable Coastlines for the 2021 Digital Vans Triple Crown of Surfing. Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii is a grassroots nonprofit organization with a mission to inspire local communities to care for their coastlines. Is there any better way to do it? They accomplish this by organizing fun and engaging community beach cleanup activities, sharing knowledge through a robust educational program, promoting awareness through public outreach campaigns, and then engaging business leadership in hands-on solutions through corporate cleanups, providing the tools needed for others to host their own cleanups, and offering sustainability consulting and waste diversion at events. And this isn't new. For the past eight years, they've collaborated with Vans to reduce waste, improve recycling and composting practices, and keep the North Shore beaches clean during the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing season. And over that course of time, this partnership has helped to turn over 27,000 pounds of waste into resource by recycling and composting materials that would have otherwise been incinerated. So I encourage you to get involved and learn more at sustainablecoastlineshawaii.org. And of course, we will be following and updating you on the digital Vans Triple Crown of Surfing here on Surf Splendor, our various shows. And then of course, follow it on Instagram at Vans Triple Crown of Surf. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. I'm super excited to finally be able to share Whoop with you. I started working with them and using the Whoop strap almost a year ago. And when they first reached out, I had already seen John John Florence wearing one. Um, I think that he was just starting to really get into cycling at that point. So I'd see him wearing it on his bike. I'd see him wearing it in the water while he was surfing. And when I talked to the team at Whoop, they actually explained that although it is a wearable fitness tracker, it's actually designed around the concept of recovery. So yes, it tracks exertion, but helping understand how your body recovers actually allows you to get more out of your workouts. So we're finally launching this partnership because Whoop just released their all new Whoop 4.0 strap, and it is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. You wear it on your wrist. It has biometric tracking that tracks skin temp, blood oxygen, and of course heart rate, and much, much more. It is smaller and smarter than previous versions. It's so sleek that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve. Of course, it's waterproof. 
So the strap itself doesn't actually have a screen, there's no buttons, there's no annoying notifications. It's just constantly collecting your body's data 24 seven. And then it connects to the app, which is on your phone and gives you invaluable insights into the very big picture of your overall health. These vitals are super easy to share with your physician, your coach, your trainer, your PT, whomever. Think of it as a personalized digital fitness and health coach. Our promo code is the word SURF, where you'll save 15% on your membership, and you'll also get that WHOOP 4.0 strap completely free. WHOOP.com, W-H-O-O-P, WHOOP.com, and then use our promo code to both support us and then, of course, save 15% on your membership. The code is the word SURF on WHOOP.com, promo code SURF. Thank you and enjoy. Let's head down that path of conversation then, um, but let's start with your wife. How old were you when you met your wife? Uh, I think Danielle was 19. Okay. She was 19 and you were? She was 19. I was probably 23. Okay. And um, what background did she come from and were her parents weary of your background? Uh, I got some great, yeah, weary stories. Yeah, they weren't too stoked. They weren't, uh, they weren't too stoked when, uh, when they found out uh, that Danielle was dating a, a, a Pasquist because we, we lived in the Hobie parking lot. So I, I married a Bronner, Danielle Bronner, her brother Damien and sister uh, Deanne, uh, mom Sharon, God bless her, she passed away last uh, year. Um, and then her father, the classic dude, and I love him. I'm so uh, in love with my father-in-law. Um, he's, just, he's just one of the boys. You know, I, I can pants him, and instead no of turning around and punching me in the face, he laughs his ass off. Uh, so Danny Bronner grew up um, in, a primary, in, in the 50s and was a part of that production movement of longboards and worked for Velzy um, in the early days and then was Hobie Alter's right-arm man uh, producing and churning out all those million of surfboards out of that little factory in Dana Point. So... Uh, and then also, uh, Danny is uh, the drummer in the Sandals that did the endless summer music. So, yeah, I I, um, I I met Danielle, and it's not a very romantic story. Um, at a party in San Clemente, I'd been working on my six hundred dollar Impala all day long, and I got it working, and I was so happy to have this car. Um, I got it when I was twenty one. And I just cleaned my hands with WD-40. Had, didn't do the second process, which is soap and water. But I said, Abraham, Jonathan, let's go. Um, uh, I hear uh, Sue is having a birthday party. Let's go, since my brother Jonathan knocked her up. And we're going to go say, hey, we're here to support you. If, you know, when you have uh, your, your son, um, you know, we're here as, as uncles. Um, and when we, when we showed up there, I was, I mean, immediately, to, there was Danielle, this tall, blonde, I mean, such light blonde hair from the sun and, and big boobs, and I, I was an ass man back then. I'm more, she converted you? Yeah, she converted me to a boob man now. But you know, I, I was just uh, absolutely um, head over heels, yeah. I mean, it was like I want to be with her for the rest of my life the moment I saw her, the second I saw her, which maybe in turn 
since the story's going to go to the bathroom, got my tummy a little upset. And <laughs> you know what they say, butterflies turn to poop. <laughs> so I had to go to the bathroom and That's, the studio, oh my the ultimate party foul. But I was in that kind of a, the, well, I got smell like WD-40. Uh, I'm not like fully like, yeah. you know, in that zone, you know, to meet girls. And, it's, ner uh, it's nerves. It's yeah, nervousness. straight in there, poop. Open the door. There she is with her friend Terry, and uh, I, I, I don't think I can think of what everyone says. Hey, don't go in there. <laughs> you know, give it uh, forty-five minutes or so. So the ultimate party foul. And she, and uh, hindsight, she she said, um, uh, Terry, her friends are. Oh, he's cute. And Danielle said, Oh God, not even. He's so gross. Who the hell would do that? At least that was you, our first meeting. You set the expectations right out of the gate oh, for what to expect. Um, so apparently you had to, mm. she had to warm up to you. Yep. But it was kind of a, a very, um, um, a cool, intense uh, two week romance. And then she went off to London and went up to Europe for a trip with a, with a friend and uh, meeting old friends. And uh, I moved to Israel and uh, planned on really, you know, kind of that was it. I was going to live there for the rest of my life, and, uh, and and got to work with with my dad's friends. Who my dad brought the surfboard in '54. He gave it to Topsy Konsolpolsky, and I worked with Amour, uh, the son, and Nir, and we we worked on making shortboards. So I kind of had a little bit of a, you know, back to the career of shortboarding and and you know, guiding the, the young surfers of Israel into something really exciting and bright, you know, these colors that were that were dull and very muted uh, in the factory that they were making boards at in, in, in Haifa to, like, day glow and, you know, hanging out with the boys and a little bit of California lifestyle over there. What, you guys don't drink beer? No, we're serious. If we need to wake up with, with the buzz, the, the bombs. We need to uh, take out our Uzis and kill people. They were f more focused and just it wasn't as laid back. So, What's the name of that label? Or what factor? Uh, uh, Inner Surf. Okay. Inner Surf Surfboards. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed hanging out. But, you know, I did meet Danielle and, and that... Uh, I, I never, never forgot about her, and would um, would hijack phone lines and talk to her, you know, all night long with neighbors that were out of town, and wrote letters back and forth, and um, yeah, so she kind of uh, drew me back. But then, but then I and you know, I finally, uh, yeah, I was it. I went, I went back. She picked me up, and from LAX, I drove. I had nowhere to stay. Um, and uh, I stayed. Uh, I stayed with uh, with her in, at at the house at the Bronner's house. And uh, the next morning, I woke up with the sheriffs <laughs> with their guns uh, drawn and saying, "We need uh, Israel passports to come out immediately." And I grabbed my passport. I had my underwear on. Sharon is screaming. Oh, I told you, he was such a fucking loser. I told you. Why did you get Danielle's crying, Danny? is laughing. He's going, hang on, let me get my camera. I got to get a picture of this. Yeah, got to get a picture of this. This is funny. He thought it was hysterical. I'm just like freaking out. So the time I spent in Israel, my brothers had borrowed my Impala and getting tickets and tickets turned to warrants. And 
So bummer. That was yeah. Not was, a good impression to make on our parents. No, no, it wasn't very good at all. Yeah. That was my the first time I went in jail. Crazy. Um you guys Isaiah's your son is I, do you have two kids? I have three. You have three. Okay, is Isaiah the first, the oldest? Uh Isaiah's in the middle. Oh, okay. Uh Ella is uh thirty one. Okay. And Isaiah is thirty and Elijah's twenty five. Got it. Okay. Can you tell me about um identifying autism in Isaiah? How did that when did you identify it? How did you identify it? Yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't identify nothing because I'd um, I'd gotten a point in my longboarding career where I was traveling and you know riding for Nike and in magazines and uh, I was li- living in the fast lane while uh, Danielle was dealing with autism. So she knew right away. Um, her friend Lois, who since died of cancer, uh, her son Dylan. Um, had been diagnosed with autism. And you're talking back then when it was maybe one in 10,000 or uh, nothing like it is, you know, today, you know, one in 54 with boys, boys are four times more likely to have autism than girls. Uh, she knew, she knew something was, was up with him. And, um, what were, what did she identify or what were the characteristics? Well, I, I, Isaiah, before he was two years old, kind of developed normally. And, and this is kind of the regressing type of autism that I hear are, are kids that, you know, are get diagnosed. Um, he had a lot of language. He had a lot of connection. He smiled. He looked at you in the eye, uh, even played appropriately with toys. And, and then that, he started losing that before he was two years old, had no language and started uh, with the inappropriate, you know, playing with toys, lining stuff up, uh, grabbing, grabbing a, a, a matchbox car and putting it up to his eye and just staring at it, staring in, in, in corners, obsessing, um, you know, that obsessive compulsive was really um, strong with him, opening and shut doors. It was, a, it was weird, mm. super, super weird. And so uh, Danielle started doing therapies with him immediately, whether it was with herself um, and him doing flashcards and try to draw language out of him with um, this discrete trials. And that was a method of kind of just rewarding a monkey. You know, if you, you, you give me the correct response, you get a Cheerio. Got it. Um, so she, she was, she, she worked on that for a, for a long time while I was still, you know, um, a viable competitor. I still was winning contests and, and making, you know, money for the family. Um, she was you know, doing her best with him. It's remarkable that she was able to identify. So many people wouldn't identify that. No, no, and 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 uh, you know ex- the acceptance is a very you know tough pill to swallow. So how old was he? And tell me about that. He, he was probably he was probably two years old, and uh, you know he got a diagnosis, and the poor guy like hopscotch from school to school every year, and. Um, well, tell me about your acceptance of it. Um, well, me, I didn't accept nothing. Really? No, no, and that's why you know part of it was was the um, you know being absent and do, being um, being somewhat irrelevant in my later days as a competitor, and just wanting to stay away mm. and wanting to to focus more on the party and and the drinking than the contest, and which I, I really don't have. Um, I don't have any regrets. You know, my 
my path was pretty decent, you know, certainly no Joel Tudor, but I think I could have done better if I was a little bit more, more focused. I was more heartbroken and I didn't know how to share that. And heartbroken about his diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I didn't want her to, no, no, you can't di give a, a diagnosis. What do people find out? What an asinine thing to, to think, but you know, I was young, I was extremely stupid. And, uh, and I thought that was relevant. I thought that was important in our life. You know, if somebody found out, then maybe I'd lose my Nike sponsor or OB Apparel would drop me or it was, you see, talk about me, me, me. And that was, that's, that's not good. It's not what kids need. No, they need a father. And I'm sure that um, you had expectations for your son before that diagnosis, how did your expectations for him shift? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's a that's a tough one. You know, we, we, he was supposed to be something else. You know, in my mind, he was supposed to be like my buddies. You know, in, in Jonestown and you know uh, uh, Dino and Dino and and uh, um, you know the Beshin boys. You know, all their their kids are just incredible. You know, the Fletchers. You know, the, the, that offspring, that generation were all you know, the best at what they do, you know, and my son wasn't, he wasn't going to be anything near that, you know, uh, uh, that, that was, that was a tough one for me. And the, the first time I ever mentioned it, I do, I do remember that very clearly because uh, again, I was, um, I was in a, in my own head and very depressed about it. I was doing the, uh, the bud tour and I, I, pretty decent run at, at contest, but I was in Hawaii and, and I just saw, um, um, I just saw a Forrest Gump, you know, and how slow he was. And, and, um, you know, just, I was thinking, God, you know, this is my life, you know, I'm going to have, you know, another, another Forrest Gump at, at best. And, and, uh, you know, other, uh, other surfers aren't going to relate to, to, to my condition, you know, and my situation. They're all, they're all, you know, beautiful, 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 the best, everything, you know. N nothing was important if it was ugly. Um, and I, I, I came out of that, that, that room and, and uh, was, uh, at uh, the Hilton, in uh, Turtle Bay Hilton, and I was talking with, uh, I think Timmy Curran was there and the Malloy brothers. And I said, you know, and they could see that I was crying. And I said, I said, uh, oh, yeah, I just watched Forrest Gump. Yeah, I was kind of sad. And they're like, well, wasn't that sad? <laughs> and I proceed with saying, well, you know, this is the situation. You know, you know Isaiah's got autism. And it's not looking like um, what I planned for life. And, and, then, and then Keith told me, oh, well, you know, my, our, our sister Mary is uh like this big she's in in still in a crib and and she can't talk and she's blind and it, it excuse me floored me that that chris and dan and them were such heroes they were such a you know tough guys and uh I really, you know, I respected them so much that they had that in their corner and they were such 
you know, studs about it. So it, it, it opened my eyes that, that, uh, uh, to, to get over myself, you know, no more pity party and, and, uh, to, to get back to being, you know, the best father I can, you know, cause these guys can do it and not be so emotionally, you know, crippled by it. You know, maybe I can do it. So they were a huge inspiration with, with, uh, me getting, uh, getting my shit together, at least half of my shit together and uh, quitting the tour and uh, getting back to being uh, Isaiah's father, or the best father I could. And it's still been a, a, a uh, it's still been a process. It's still been a huge process. And I don't think I've uh, fully become, you know, the dad I want to be until like a year ago. So really that recently, mm -hmm. um, what is Mary's diagnosis? Do you know? Uh, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't know that. Story. I don't know if you know if Keith and uh, Dan and and uh, Chris want to share that. Um, they probably. I think there 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 is, but it's very very rare. Yeah. What what uh, what condition and, and, and Mike passed away, and I don't know if Mom wants to it's, share that. It sounds like um, Danielle probably owes a thanks to the Malloy brothers for helping you kind of. Uh, understand her plight and what she was kind of process because she was fully in right mm -hmm. being the main provider and caregiver or what not provider absolutely caregiver yeah. Yeah. for Isaiah and so having you kind of jump in is huge help I would imagine yeah yeah I mean, it it was uh, you know and, and and now it's it's just so different now it's just so different I feel like I'm I'm walking next to the most purest innocent you know human being on the planet I feel like I'm, I'm such an honor. You know, yeah. instead of an embarrassment. Well, let's talk about that. Um, what, tell me about Isaiah himself and what, like I've seen your wife post a couple of Instagram videos of him with him. Seems like a total joy to be around and an absolute delight. And I could see you guys kind of reveling in that delight. And um, tell me about him. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, he, it's funny. I, I show pictures of my grandkids and then I'll throw in, you know, my 30-year-old autistic son. Check it out, man. He's, he's singing Mr. Son, Mr. Son. You know, Mr. Yeah. Golden Son. And, you know, and he's fat. And he's bald. He's got eczema. And, you know, but uh, he's, he is such a, uh, such a pure light. Yeah. Um, and he can be funny. You know, he can be super funny. Some of the shit that he says and oh, is that? when he says that, that, that I pledge allegiance to the, the United States of a rooster sauce. I know. You know it's it's like, amazing. Well, did you come up with that? You know, or when we talk, he'll always he'll always talk about, uh, uh, hey, chef, you know, is the it, it proceeds whatever language he's trying to, to tell me. Hey, chef, we're in the magic school bus going to school. You know, it, he's so unique. He's one of a kind, yeah. you know, and uh, I, I, I love that. I love being around him. I love getting up and driving him in the school bus, you know, to, uh, to the drop-off point, and then he goes to school, and, and his buddies that are, you know, also on the spectrum that are so unique um, as well, you know. And, uh, and, you know, for us, it's just behavior. It's behavior with Isaiah. He's, since he's such a big guy, and he can be a holy terror and be very, you know, self, self abusive and bite himself. And he's got scars and keloids from, from, you know, OCD biting and uh, bald spots in his head from raining 
these noogies on his head when he really would throw a fit, you know, and scars of bite marks on his arm. Those are his battle wounds. Um, but, but he's been good now. Yeah. You know, he, the behavior has been pretty awesome the last four years. It rears its ugly head, you know, every once in a while. But now if I feel like I'm present and healthy and, and, and courageous and I, I can handle it, where before I felt I couldn't. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's, it's hard dealing with that because it's so unnatural. You're driving along, whack, punches you right in the face. Number one, hopefully you don't pass out and you crash and we all die. Um, well, and, and that's rare, but, but. Can you give me a quick education on autism? Uh, I think my wife is best for that, but, um, you know, it, it's, it, it, everyone has a different, for him, like uh, autism or something neurologic that is just different with him. And so learning is very difficult. Uh, there's obsessive compulsive traits with autism. Um, there is a, a, a difficulty with expressing language, language, verbalizing, and his expressive language is very difficult. And that cognitively, when he thinks about something, he's trying to say, you can see the gears churning, but just it can't express himself. So with that, there's frustration, and then there's blow-ups, and, and shit hits the fan. Got it. Um, but then there's also, and I was joked around with, with uh, some of my friends that, oh, he's a savant, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think there's more of those savants and so, so unique, um, such a unique mind. You know, it, it is like... A, a, a wonderful mind and he is more smart in certain things yet sometimes he can't remember you know whether he's wearing to to vocalize i'm wearing my trunks or i'm wearing my pants or i'm wearing my jammies for me to tie um but he knows every uh, uh um every capital um in the united states you know, that's most people don't know yeah. that but his mind just saw it, picked up, and he remembers forever. Mm. And that was when he was two years old. He had this little book. Mm. So that part's really unique. He never forgets forgets places. His his direction is like a atlas. Mm. You know, and I've I've practiced it before. I want to go to Long Something Sushi or Long Chinese. So I was like, okay, we're gonna take off. We're gonna spend all day. We're gonna try to find this place. And all I got as as my interface was a finger that said this way, this way. This way. We've done a lot of loops, but but somewhere in Mission Viejo by the DMV, fucking found exactly what he really? was looking for. And I don't know where he saw it. He might have you know, uh, passed it on the freeway, and he just picked up on it like in a, a millisecond. Yeah, it's unique. Crazy. It's very unique. How did you identify surfing as a healing mechanism? Uh, yeah, uh, f- with, with us, it was, it was a, an eye-opener day. We, I'd borrowed, uh, I'd been riding for um, Blue Hawaii for a while, and Glenn, Glenn Minami was making uh, my surfboards, and um, we were, uh, I think, uh, Mililani on the west side, it was a, the, the contest. And so I borrowed Glenn's truck, and and all he had was chick music. You know? So we plug in Sarah McLaughlin, and and we're listening to that, and, and Isaiah seems pretty okay. And I dropped Danielle off. At, um, at Pokai Bay, and they swim all day. I wanted the contest go back, and we jump in the car. And from that ride previously, we are listening to the song Adia. Isaiah breaks in the song. From no language, insomnia, to breaks, fell asleep before the song, woke up to singing 
We are born innocent. Oh, we completely freaked. I almost drove off the road because I saw Ella, you know, and, and she was asleep. So I thought somebody was in the car and playing a weird trick on me. Thought Russ K was playing a trick on me. And we looked how, back and Isaiah singing a song. How long had he been nonverbal previously? Mm, he was probably five years old at the time. So he had not spoken Mm-mm. for five years. Mm-hmm. He's five years old and he busts out into yep. full song. Yep, yep, yep. So, so I said, what, 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 what went on? What happened? What did you guys do? What did he eat? What did you smell? Who did you talk to? You know, did he touch somebody? You know, um, what's, what was going on? G- give me details. I said, nothing. We just, he was in the water all day long, you know, swimming and happy and, and uh, sunburned and just, yeah. And then, so, uh, so that was the like aha moment. And then we went home and I took out some of his classmates, the same effect. It was really fucking hard to get the kids in the water because of anxiety, because of nervousness and because of, doing something completely outside the box, but they usually do, and really having your own way. Um, a little bit of that with autism. We just want to be happy and, okay, we don't have to do it. There was no saying no to me. You were going to go out, and we were going to surf. So all of his classmates kind of had the same effect. Once they stopped crying, it was this big breath, and the magic happened. Something something happened in the water. Wow. And it's really, so that, But really, a, a, a quick, cute story afterwards. I'm walking down the beach, 20 years later, telling Sarah McLaughlin this story, teaching her to surf. And I, you know, that song, you know, um, uh, arms of an angel came out and I, I, I told her that. And, and I just told her that last week, uh, surfing in San Diego. And I, I, I didn't mean to say you were dismissive, but I, I understand the gravity of everybody plays out at funerals. Right. So I was just one of those people that, sure, sure. that have told you that story. And uh, she was absolutely blown away by by it now. And I and I resent her a story that I wrote on it. And she was just like, fuck. How did you connect? The, the with power her? of music. <laughs> How did you connect with her? Just teaching her to surf. So she reached out to you to learn uh, how to surf? Our, our mutual friend, Kikai Mingus, uh, was her stylist. And so, oh, okay. I know Izzy. He's, you know, he's a, uh, he teaches surfing at San Onofre. Okay. Um, but that, that was beautiful. So, and still that, that, that whole story, you know, and, and re-explaining story. to her another 20 years almost after that. You does know? he still love that song? He still knows that song. He knows the last song. <laughs> and he does sing. He, he sings He sings and has sang in this band called Common Sense. They're a local Laguna band. The lead singer, Nick Hernandez, uh, doesn't know how to talk, but he sings, you know, one song with them. And he has been for at least 15 years. Wow. But they let him get up, and they sing "I'm Gone" together, hmm. and it's pretty damn cute because he sucks, hmm. but you can just tell he's a special man, and he is—he knows the lyrics, and he's in the pocket. He's singing, you know, with rhythm. I'm wondering, um, had he been practicing his language in private behind closed doors for the previous couple <laughs> of years? Because it's or was he just mimicking <coughs> the song that he heard? Uh, you know, I think I think just the way the, the <coughs> an autism mind is wired um, is is kind of like a and you know and you hear Temple Grandin verbalizing like I see things in pictures and I can go back to that picture and I can read exactly what I just saw 
I have it memorized it, but I'm reading it. I can see it. But to us, we, we hear this incredible memory, you know, or maybe it is memory. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I certainly don't know. It's just curious that he was able, without any practice, to perfectly verbalize words in a language. Right. And and at that, you know, young age, too, we just, it, it, the pitch was perfect. That just angelic voice. Man. But so, what yeah. An emotional. You, it it uh, was. You, you we were both crying. Wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. It was pretty cool. It was what pretty cool. So, how does um, Surfer's Healing uh, come about. So yeah, so it was his classmates that uh, that I first experimented on at San Onofre, and then and that was that went well. And then every every Wednesday, Sonic would come. Uh, was another autistic friend, and he really really enjoyed it. Same thing at first it was hard and difficult, and and we were at that time we were still doing the surf camp in San uh, San Onofre. Every Wednesday, Sonic would come. And we'd go surfing, and his, his dad, Cliff, um, said, yeah, he just, you know, he's just, his behavior is just better. He's you know, more likely to to engage and, and focus, less likely to hurt himself, less likely to, um, you know, be, uh, obsess on things, and he's just happier. Still autistic, but less likely to have bad behaviors. Um, and, and uh and that was amazing. I was, to me, I I understood as young and, and really, you know, at my peak of of, of health and and um, able to go out every Wednesday, even on a fifteen foot day. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know if we can. We might have to miss this Wednesday, Cliff. But I could go down to the beach, and I I knew I could time the sets and get out. You know, through the shore break. Um, Lifeguards come down and say, yeah, I, what are you doing? You can't do this. You know, no life vest with the kid, <laughs> pre-life vest day. And we went out, we got one incredible wave and just blew off his little aqua socks. And I think I knocked his tooth out. But, oh my gosh. But. Uh, so what is surfer's healing? Uh, surfer's healing is a, a free surf camp for children with autism. Children, teens, and adults now, since Isaiah is an adult. Um, and it's a free one-day camp that we do all around the world. We do 26 events, 26 partners, um, from Raglan to Gold Coast, and New South Wales, Mexico. Uh, the East Coast, we're gigantic. We're the largest autism event in New Jersey with over uh, 6,000 people that show up. And we host... An average of 200 children per event. Crazy. And been doing that for 25 years. Amazing. And now the, the type of guy that I have, the, 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 the surfer we called it, the instructor, there's no, there's no putting that type of word on the effect that that day has on that child and on the parents and, and the extended family. Um, I call them healers now because that's, that's what they are. And that's what that day, um, you know, amounts to, of young parents accepting that this is the, their new life and this is not that bad. It's going to be unique, but it's not that bad. And the type of guys that come now are, are, are part of this, this uh, um, surface healing is, is mind-blowing. Um, from our CEO who, who runs this, this, uh, this camp, um, Jeff Eckberg, 
who is uh, forever, uh, I've been in, in, in his debt for taking on the role of organizing and helping us, you know, wrangle all these amazing surfers together and, and uh, scheduling, you know, 25 guys traveling and getting to places and, and showing up on time and then getting us all back home safe and, and uh, fundraising and all that. So he's been a, a God's a godsend, um, but a, a pretty small infrastructure, you know, accountants and bookkeepers and, and Danielle and I kind of doing most of it. And then that volunteer base, which is just so great for us, allowing us to do insane numbers yeah. uh, because of the volunteers, because of the guys that come, North Shore lifeguards that are incredible service. I mean, just off the top of my head, the, the heritage families from the Icows and Zane and um, and the uh, Kalamas, you know, uh, Ikaika and his, his son Tamaroa and Dave's um, uh, son um, Austin, um, is just is incredible. Forsyth, you know, Wally Forsyth's grandkids, my dad's old buddies, um, to all the all these guys and, and local surfers here, Bucky Barry, who has been with me for twenty two years, who's probably seen more autistic children than any human being on this planet, if you do his numbers. And yeah. Blake Blake um, Blake Michael has been one of my kind of go to guys when we do tours. Those two guys are always on him every camp. You know, and it's a uh, big commitment, huge commitment. And all those guys, you know, uh, uh, Kaivi and Kamu and Kumu and and uh, Ocean, uh, all these guys that come from from um, from Hawaii that that work, you know, they take two weeks yeah. off and they go home and it, it's going to they're going to struggle paying rent. Yeah. Uh, but but, you know, when they say stuff like, like you know, like, like Shaden and Mikey Red, you know, and uh, um um, I'm thinking of um, uh, young, 19 year old uh, Cody. Um, what's Cody's last name? See, pro surfer. Pro surfer. Co yeah, Cody, just Cody Young. Cody Young. Yeah. Who's that? 19 says, "Hey, I want to make an autism chapter in Maui." Is incredible. You know, such great people that, and and they've got the ability, the 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 knowledge. You know, the experience in the ocean. But all these guys, the attribute that's that number one thing that they all share is the heart that they have. Mm. That they don't make, like having a, having a special child, my biggest worry is, is the burden Isaiah is, is on other people. And the way that they work with these children and they don't make, the parents don't feel any of that. Right. They, they tell them, you know, in great, you know, uh, uh, respect and... Uh, and great passion, you know, how this has changed their lives yeah. forever and how grateful they are to have that relationship with your child. If even, even if it's for 30 minutes, it's been incredible, you yeah. know. So after 25 years of getting this type of, you know, um, quality of guys in the water to help me out, it's just been such an incredible life's work. Yeah, it really is. When I say, will you come? It's not like, oh, I got to bribe you, you know, whatever. It is just like, oh, you picked me? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's powerful, man. To me, that's powerful. It's a really epic extension of that Paskowitz uh, surf camp legacy, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's and it's kind of my dad. My dad started, you know, Pasqua with Surf Cap because it was at first, you know, like the very first one in '72. It was for uh, troubled, you know, at-risk kids. Kind of the same thing I'm doing. I know that's what I'm he saying. wanted to. You know, he wanted people to go surfing. If you go surfing, you know, you ride enough waves, you're going to be a little better. You're yeah. going to be a better human being. Um, is there any medical science to back up the benefits of what you guys are doing? And and what do you think is the actual healing component? Uh, a very good question. And, um, and I, you know, I know back then it felt right. It felt right. And I was, I was almost worried in the beginning, you know, 25 years ago, is next year someone going to sniff me out and say, oh, yeah, Pasquitz is a fraud. You know, what is he doing? This isn't, this is nothing. This is detrimental. This is, there's no benefit to this. Um, but I knew it felt right. It was difficult to do. And you had to have the right person to have the experience as flawless as possible. Of course, there's going to be some days that it's a 20 foot cyclones outside but we convinced the manly lifeguard to let us surf um because i've got these heroes that can manage kind of that risk assessment um it is uh i forgot where i was where i was going uh what's where the was healing, I going? what's the healing component or the what's healing the medical component. science science just that that scientists are writing books about it you know i love wallace j nichols book on um on blue mind. I don't know it. It's, it's, it's us. It's the healing powers of the water being around it next to it, you know, uh, in it the way we do is the best. And you're talking about autism and a sensory, um, uh, you know, and I don't want to say the right political words, but I say disorder, you know, someone's gonna come back at me like, Oh, that's a loaded word. Um, but there's something that physiological that happens in the water. You know, the surfing, that's just rad. That's just super fun. It's the water that that makes the difference. And there's those sensory uh, pods that people are laying yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. water. And there's scientists doing water therapy. Um, you know, if you have arrhythmia, they're gonna, a lot of times in the ER, they're going to put your face in a, in a bowl of ice. You know, kind of snap your heart back into place. So there, there's a, there is that that healing power of the water, along with with I think minerals and the ionization of this convergence of these masses together, that there's something especially powerful in oceans. Um, so yeah, I mean that's our next step, and we have had some pretty uh, cool um, um, surveys on the effects of of water and, and autism, and, um, and and I know those are biased. Uh, because the parents love us and aren't going to put anything too bad, you know, in a very, very arduous survey. But, but it was kind of that same thing that their child, you know, left happier and it carried on and they were, they were likelier to you know, do better in school, you know, that day. And, you know, when they relive that moment or they look at that trophy, you know, they feel better, you know, and they're happier um, and less likely to be you know uh in a bad mood yeah it's any of a anybody who surfs in innately understands exactly what you're talking about and knows all of the benefit that's inherent it sounds like science all the evidence is also validating it but they haven't quite come up with the exact cause and effect 
You know, it's like right. they, they haven't defined, oh, salt water fixes this one thing over here and changes right. it. But all the evidence supports exactly what you're saying. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I, I really could give a shit if it ever comes to that. Well, I need to see empirical evidence that this causes that, like you said. And, uh, you know, this is all, it's all just anecdotal. Right. But like I, the evidence you, is in. You know, it's, there's been a hundred thousand children have been through yeah. surface healing. Had, really? You know, and that That's ripple huge. effect is in the millions. Yeah, yeah. You think they're all lying? No. <laughs> they're full of shit or saying, oh, I'd gladly come back. No. Now, there is, there is, there is the 1% that I can't get in the water, that I just didn't, I couldn't push it that far. Yeah. That I, that the parent says, that's it. And that's that child. And I respect that. And I pull the plug, but I'm just like them. You know, I, we have, Danielle and I have a 30 year old autistic son who <clears throat> we cannot talk to. And when he's in the water, he's happier. And so I think it gives us a little, not the right, but gives us, a little bit of freedom to push it to that, to that level. As long as I promise them that the guys in the water are going to be these heroes. Yeah. They're going to keep it as safe as possible. Got it. Um, we have an event this weekend. Tell me about the event this Heck weekend yeah. and can listeners attend? Absolutely. So this weekend we're doing the uh, surfing Santa surf contest that uh, is Saturday and Sunday. There's still a few spots left, and you don't have to be like you know a ripper surfer. It's, it's all kinds of uh, divisions: shortboarding, best air. Uh, but we're calling it like uh, the, the Santa's helpers, uh, the Yule loggers or the loggers, the, the gum drops or the ten and under that you could push your child into. I'm going to push my uh, grandson Bronson. He's going to uh, enter it. Uh, there's uh, SUP. Uh, I think that was super hot <laughs> a couple of years ago, but a lot of people still do it, and it's great exercise. We're do, doing a, a, a little race there. Um, and that's all on surfingsantacontest.org, uh, surfingsantacontest.org, if you want to um, uh, sign up. And that begins at 7 o'clock on Saturday, and 7 o'clock on Sunday. We end early on Sunday um, and there's some great prizes and uh, there's cash for best air, best outfit. Uh, you, a lot of the guys dress as Santa. I do too. I dress as Santa and you, you ride waves and it's, it's really cool, especially for like the local rippers, you know, that are down there, shortboarders that um, I think we got a bodyboarding division too. Not sure. Um, that the kids paid their 60 bucks and they like, oh, I did something for autism. I, I worked with service healing, paid my bucks, and that's going to go to take a child out surfing. So I, I do like that that effect that it has on some of the local kids and the community of, of giving back and, and being a part of this community that, that supports us. And, and, uh, and we do our best in, in really making that count, making every dollar going into taking up more children than any, I think, any humanitarian surf uh, group does um, in the world. Uh, and then it all uh, culminates with Sunday at 4 o'clock. The entire public is invited uh, for the community to come into the main lobby and there's champagne and hot chocolate for the kids. You get to meet Santa. And then we get to see our Surfers Healing surfboard collection of art surfboards, regular boards. I know Album has given us a board and they're probably going to give us a board next year. Uh, 
And there's some really cool ones that you could just ride, pick a, you know, a buck, uh, buck Zaster Hobie, um, 11 footer, a Tyler Warren killer 11 foot gun, the glass on fin that's like ruby red. Mm. Um, boards like that to ride. Then there's art boards that you just want to put in a, in a fancy house or in your house. Um, there's a couple of rock stars uh, d- did a couple boards for us. Um, Matt Moss, the bass player of uh, Unreal Band, killer vocals, uh, Cold War Kids. Love them. Aren't they amazing? Long Beach Band. They're, uh, from Long Beach. They're from. They played for us two years ago. Uh, Trevor on the tracks, 60 bucks to enter. You know, 100 people. It was so intimate and such good people. Um, I love Nathan Willett's voice. He's so powerful. They're amazing. Ohana Fest, they won. They yeah. got my blue ribbon. It's yeah, just yeah. the best band, best vocals. And I like Spoon, too. Uh, Anthony Kiedis has a concept board that's super sick. It's all vin- vintage and new uh, American flags uh, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them. So Anthony's been a great supporter. They've played for us uh, once. Uh, that was amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so all the boards, uh, you can you can check it out online. Um, just go to Surfers Healing, Surfers, uh, plural, surfershealing.org, and there's a link to the uh, auction. It starts on Saturday, and it goes online until the uh, uh, New Year's Day, I think. Oh, okay, cool. So we've got plenty, plenty of, time. of time. Yeah, please, please. And, and where is the event this weekend? At the Ritz-Carlton, the fanciest hotel in, Laguna in the Niguel. world. Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Niguel. In, and, uh, and the surf portion of the event is right out in front yes correct salt creek yep yep, Epic. yep. salt creek right there should have um, little waves too good 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 um kind of in closing how much of the way that you were raised and your father's ethos have you incorporated with raising your own kids and or your grandchildren uh i think that'll always be there you know, I'm I'm different. I was born different, and my wife still, you know, says, well, "I mean, you're so little things that I do that are just so different than, than anybody else. Wh- whatever, you know, even like little bags I leave every everywhere, you know, with kind of I don't know, like just stuff, you know, I think I need or or um, you know, n- not really a runaway bag, but kind of a runaway bag." <laughs> Like you toiletries know? and stuff, like or uh, clothes oh, and okay, just I gotcha. stupid stuff. Yeah, you know that that's just I, I I hold on to. I'm just so grateful to be to to be in you know in a modern world and not living in a camper. Um, that part is great. Uh, but yes, I am I'm instilling the one the one thing that I think um, made me who I am and uh, hopefully a kind person. Um, thinking back to a father who just who loved his children so much so that he wanted them within arm's reach, mm. living in such a small camper, um, and it's it, it it kind of in in a nutshell when I think about my father, and I think about my relationship with him, I think about Richmond Elementary School. We lived in a house for a very short bit in San Marcos. Um, I was I was young and he was he was walking by and it was. It was the, um, we'd just gotten to school. Everyone was in the playground. Here comes my dad. And he's he always, always his whole life is, is, is jogged in the morning. He jogs by school, and here he comes, and he says hi to me. I know what he wants. I know what he wants. He's going to want to kiss me on the lips. 
and all these kids are behind me. And I think if, if I weren't the way I was, I weren't, I wasn't a Paskowitz the way he raised me, I would have just said, oh, bye, Dad. And I went to the thing. All the kids are watching me. And I kissed them on the lips. I said, love you, Dad. That's, I want my, all my grandkids to feel how much I love them and my children, how much I love them and my wife, how much I love her. Epic. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great uh, it's a great kid. adventure, and I love I love you know and kind of closing the the little stories of the pop outs of the autism that are kind of coming into our satellite, you know, yeah. at Clay Marzo, you know the, the the best surfer in the world. I could watch him all day long, and he, he the stuff that he does is so profoundly autistic. You know, and he is more higher on the on the spectrum than Isaiah, but he relates to Isaiah. They've hung out together, and he he when he talks about Isaiah, his voice like raises an octave. He gets all excited. Oh, that's Isaiah! Oh, bro, I can eat more than Isaiah. Isaiah's a big dude. He loves to eat, and they love to eat. Yeah. And he, but he he thinks Isaiah. He says Isaiah's the man. Yeah, Isaiah's the man. Yeah, you know, uh, and Italo Ferreira. But but you know, he thinks Isaiah's the coolest dude ever, and I. I I love that connection that they have, you know, being being autistic. And uh, Chris Ward and his beautiful son, Bubs, you know, for, for Chris elevating, like, what he's doing in the water with his autistic son is amazing. And, and to be a part of, of us is is absolute um, honor. Yeah. And I, I, I love that next step, you know. Yeah, well, Getting you've, radical. You've, um, you know, made people comfortable discussing it, addressing it, giving – in the way that Danielle was able to identify it early by you kind of doing what you've done, people have an awareness for what it is and are able to identify it in their own people around them. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is. That's um, a good thing. Final question yes, for sir. everybody that we interview has nothing to do with autism, but what was the last surfboard that you rode? What are you currently riding? Oh, I am. I'm in the company of uh, uh, team riders Henry Ford, which is an old dude, and Italo Ferreira, and I ride an Izzy Paskowitz, Timmy Patterson, super light, super flowy, like a foil of a, of a shortboard, quad, and I feel fucking like a warrior on it. What what length is it? A nine foot. So a quad nine foot. Mm -hmm. Wow. It works insane frontside. I can't get it toward backside, but front side, I, I am just as stoked as I was when my dad gave me my lightning bolt for my 13th really? bar mitzvah. How big are the fins? Like normal quad they're not fins? In, they're not big enough. They're, okay. not, they're not big enough. The proportional uh, um, aspect of that ratio to longboard to short, shortboard, I need to make a, a longboard quad. Huh. But it just, it, it, it slingshots and, and, you know, it's a different era of riding, you know, yeah. but it's not really. It's like... You know, you see some of the shortboards doing their, their kind of tail slide or super directionally, you know, front side carve. That's not that Martin Potter or Tommy Kern cutback. I like that big rotational Kelly Slater cutback. Mm. And this board uh, allows me to do that. It makes old man, <laughs> old men yeah. like me, you know, feel not so old. Um, so Timmy Patterson, does he have an Izzy model? Yes. For the yes. longboard? Yep, okay, yep. Cool, we, cool. But we released that, and he, he this is a board that we worked on 30 years ago. Wow. When, you know, his his dad was sanding the boards, when Ronald was sanding boards at Hobie's, 
and you know he was doing his synthetic boards years and years ago. Um, we're always friends and always kind of, um, you know, he made me the best boards that I've won championships on and won yeah. uh, some of the biggest contests in my career uh, is is mind blowing. And I feel like now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time. And I respect and and love the logger types, you know. And I tried to do it with the logs, but I just couldn't do it. You just want to. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't bottom turn slow and then kind of just arch and cruise. And I don't like dodging the lip. I like hitting them. Yeah. Good. Epic, man. Yep. Well, thank you. I know this is a busy week for you guys, so I really appreciate you taking the time to share all this. Yep. I hope I didn't get into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's a disclaimer. I think you're safe. All right. Thank you. Uh, Love you. Thank you. You're welcome. You can find Israel Paskowitz on Instagram at Izzy Paskowitz. Um, we've, of course, linked to that and everything that we discussed on surfsplendorpodcast.com. His various websites are surfershealing.org, paskowitz.com, surfingsantacontest.org. And he's actually an author as well. We didn't discuss that in this episode, but you can find his book, Scratching the Horizon, A Surfing Life on amazon.com of course i'll post um i'll also post the trailer for the documentary that we discussed at the beginning of this Surfwise. if you haven't seen it already um i highly encourage you to and if you have seen it maybe it's worth re-watching at this point it came out in 2008 it's just a fantastic documentary on a really fascinating family obviously so check that out again everything's on surfsplendorpodcast.com Thank you, Israel. You are doing phenomenal work. It is awesome to follow. And I encourage anybody with any interest getting involved at surfershealing.org. In other news, we have new episodes of Spit and the Grit up this week. Next week is Thanksgiving here in America, but we're planning to continue our podcast schedule. So we will be back on all of those shows next week and uh, through the holiday season. So I hope that you are well. I hope that you are enjoying this holiday season. And uh, more importantly, I hope that you are getting in the ocean. So my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I'm reminding you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on. Let's stay.